If you weren't paranoid before, you sure should be now. After the insane firing of Tucker Carlson this week, the fallout from that, the whitewashing of Ray Epps with 60 Minutes, and then we talk about some insane predictions from Earth Day 1970. All today, Eric's America. Hello and welcome back. Happy Sunday. Um, I hope you are enjoying uh, your Sunday. I am doing my best to. Um, <laughs> it's been a long week, but I will say, um, first off, I want to thank everybody who has been uh, doing all the things, the liking, the subscribing, the following. The following helps out a lot, uh, too, especially on Spotify, uh, which is where we're at. Uh, well, primarily, I guess well, we're pretty much everywhere now. Uh, but anyway, it really does make a big difference. I've noticed a huge, uh, uptick, uh, this past week and that is much appreciated. And that's from people sharing it and, and liking some and doing all the things because, uh, the algorithms get happy and more people see it and more people decide to check it out. And, um, maybe we can help out in a small way. I mean, my whole thing is. This is uh, my therapy in a lot of ways. It really is. Um, all these things are in my head. I uh, follow it. I pay attention to it. And uh, I feel like uh, many times that people aren't saying what they should say. Uh, I know there's a, uh, a thought process of, oh, we want to be uh, proper and we don't want to... Uh, you know, say anything too bad or any of that. And I think the time for that is just really past. And that's why I really just, I wonder why someone isn't out there, you know, asking questions in a certain way or framing things in a certain way. And I know a lot of it is the fact that people are like, Oh no, you shouldn't be that way. Or you don't want to be hyperbolic. And I don't feel that a lot of the things are. So anyway, with all that aside, it was really a crazy week. Now, um, I know for myself, and I know many, many other people, no one expected the biggest news of the week, which was that Tucker got fired from Fox. Now, honestly, um, I thought Tucker was in the same category as some of those banks um, in 2008, the uh, too big to fail kind of thing for Fox. And what I mean by that is he was Fox. Um, he was the only thing left at Fox that most people watched, and you could – you could see it. You can go and you can check this out for yourself if you want. You can go look at the ratings and you can see where they averaged all the time. And then when he came on, huge spike. I mean, it basically doubled the entire audience. And then after his firing, when he uh, made a statement, and we're going to get into all that stuff today, um, the amount of views that he got on Twitter just from his uh, you know little 
um, whatever little clip that he put out was more than every cable news <laughs> channel combined. I mean, it's just his reach was huge. And of course, that's part of the issue. And there's so many rumors going on why this happened, how this happened. And uh, we'll jump into that. So if you haven't heard, which I'm sure you have, if you, you know, unless you've been under a rock, that uh, on Monday this past week, Tucker Carlson was fired, essentially. Um, of course, that's not what they called it, but he was fired from Fox News. And apparently this came not long before he was going to be, you know, planning or in meetings to plan the show for Monday night. Um, obviously, some of the early reporting was, well, this was a long time coming. Everybody knew it was going to happen. And that's just not true. And obviously, Tucker didn't know that it was going to happen because watching his show Friday night, he signs off his show. Um, I believe the segment was uh, the pizza guy. I believe that's what it was. The pizza guy who uh, helped uh, subdue, basically helped uh, trip up a uh, fleeing suspect from the police. He he tripped him up while he was delivering pizza. And Tucker gave him employee of the week or employee of the month or something. And then the guy comes on and brings pizza because he's a pizza delivery guy. And uh, they're having pizza. And he's you know signs off and says he'll see everybody Monday. And, of course, that was his last show. Um and there's so many rumors going around while this happened. Now, a lot of it, they have said, has been connected to the Dominion uh, lawsuit that Fox lost um, last week. And, well, they settled it. I should make that. It was going to trial. It was going to happen. They settled it almost a billion dollars. But the thing is, not a lot of that had anything to do with Tucker Carlson. Now, they were going after Tucker in the lawsuit originally and trying to get all of his personal text messages and emails and all that sort of stuff, hoping there'd be a smoking gun. The problem is they forgot that Tucker was pretty skeptical of the whole dominion thing. As so many other topics, he would take them on and listen to them. But if he thought it was absurd or somebody just really didn't have anything to back it up, he was pretty quick to say that. And he did so as well. With this, when he said, hey, listen, I'm not going to have Sidney Pyle back on this show until there is some proof of this. You're going to have to have some hard evidence. Otherwise, I'm not going to have it on my show. I'm not going to talk about it anymore. And that's not where Tucker went when he talked about the election. He talked about uh, all the things that, uh, you know, we've we've uh, all the people on the right have talked about. Now I know there's quite a few that went down the rabbit hole of uh, the ghost of Hugo Chavez and the dominion voting uh, systems. And uh, what's really strange is there's still a documentary on um, HBO. I believe it's still on HBO uh, where the left uh, Democrat uh, operative basically did a whole thing, exposing dominion voting uh, machines and hacked them. And showed how they could be hacked. And there's a there's actually a documentary about it. But that's okay. I mean, that's a completely different thing. That doesn't exist. But um, that's not where Tucker took it. He talked about the um, uh, Zuckerberg money coming in for these uh, 
to help with the election, the ballot boxes, the uh, you know mail-in voting due to COVID, the uh, media and social media collaboration to hide and mislead information to sway the election. And then, of course, they all came out and admitted it and said, hey, uh, we did that. So I guess that that's kind of hard to call that a conspiracy if they're out there bragging about it. I'm, I would imagine that it's hard to say. So really the only thing that uh, came out from the Dominion thing uh, and Tucker's texts and everything <clears throat> were the fact that, yeah, in a, a moment of anger, uh, he said that uh, he hated Donald Trump. And, you know, it's one of those things where Tucker has – made it pretty clear that you know trump wasn't his favorite person but he really agreed with him on a lot of the issues and agreed with and really connected to people that supported donald trump that's where tucker was he was a huge populist really and so you know that's not really you know a big deal i mean some people i mean there's so many so much speculation going on um, it is really, uh, crazy. Here is a speech. Now, Tucker, after he signed off on the Friday show there, um, he went and actually to do a speech, uh, for the heritage foundation. And, uh, here's a speech, uh, on Saturday. So it doesn't sound like he was, uh, going to be fired, but there is some interesting things in the speech we'll talk about. And, and you see so many people break under the strain, under the downward pressure of whatever this is that we're going through. And you look with disdain and sadness as you see people you know become quislings, you see them revealed as cowards, you see them going along with a new, new thing, which is clearly a poisonous thing, a silly thing, you know, saying things you know they don't believe because they want to keep their jobs. If there's a single person in this room who hasn't seen that through George Floyd and COVID and the Ukraine war, raise your hand. Oh, nobody, right. You all know what I'm talking about. You didn't give much hand. And you're so disappointed in people. <laughs> you know, you are, and you realize that the herd instinct is maybe the strongest instinct. I mean, it may be stronger than the hunger and sex instincts, actually. The instinct, which again is inherent to be like everybody else and not to be cast out of the group, not to be shunned, that's a very strong impulse in all of us from birth. And it takes over, unfortunately, in moments like this, and it's harnessed, in fact, by bad people in moments like this, to produce uniformity. And you see people going along with this, and you lose respect for them. And that certainly happened to me at scale over the past three years. I'm not mad at people, I'm just sad. I'm disappointed. How could you go along with this? You know it's not true, but you're saying it anyway? Really, you're putting your pronouns in your email? You're ridiculous. It might be. So, um, you know, there's a lot to be said um, that Tucker was at odds with the very top of Fox News. Um, they were very big on the Trump train before. Um, maybe not so much now. I, It's really kind of unclear. Um, the Dominion uh, lawsuit did uh, take out a lot. Now, there is another um, lawsuit that the people have cited. Well, this was the one that's going to give him. And there was uh, this uh, booking producer, basically uh, a person that calls and, and you know makes phone calls to get guests lined up and make you know all the arrangements, take care of all that. Booking producer who um, was suing the show. 
And of course, because it's Tucker Carlson's show, of course, she's named in the lawsuit. Now, uh, she's claimed a lot of things, uh, sexism and, you know, uh, you know, harassment, whatever, hostile work environment, blah, 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 all the buzzwords. Uh, I mean, and she said it was an unworkable workplace because somebody, um, they had pictures of Nancy Pelosi in the swimsuit uh, as a joke with the big, huge boobs. And that offended her, which, I mean, other than just being disturbing, I mean, I'm sure it was a joke. Um, and some other stuff. Somebody said the, um, the breastfeeding room in the office at Fox News, um, you know, was a waste because, you know, there weren't that many mothers. I don't know. A bunch of stuff. What people need to understand is if she had an issue at Fox News, it's actually at Fox News. Uh, what a lot of people don't know is Tucker wasn't there. Uh, he did all of his stuff remote for the last couple of years. Uh, the studio you see him in that he did his show from and his other shows from is at his house in Florida. Um, he, uh, he, that's where he came from unless he was out on a location, which he did that, you know, from time to time he would fly out to, um, I saw where he went a couple of times to the Fox, uh, Fox lot in, uh, California. And then there was some of his, um, uh, documentary things where he would go and talk to people. But as in being in New York and in the Fox news, uh, offices he was not and admittedly this lady never met tucker carlson so to have anything you know supposedly she recorded conversations and phone calls all that that's going to have nothing to do with him because she self-admitted never met the man so uh it's really crazy there are some other things that uh, apparently uh people at the top of fox news i guess uh rupert murdoch would be the the top man uh isn't real religious and isn't a big god person now i would say that you know that could be an issue uh, that would have gotten him fired. Um, there's also this other crazy thing that this lady he was engaged to for like a week. Um, and then they got disengaged because she was religious. Uh, but her favorite show was Tucker Carlson. So he fired him because that's her favorite show. I don't know. All this stuff is crazy as hell. But uh, here's some more of the speech where people kind of say, well, yeah, he's, he's talking kind of, um, you know, too religious for uh, Rupert Murdoch time to start to reassess the terms we use to, to to describe what we're watching so when i started at heritage the presumption was and this is a very anglo-american assumption that the debates we're having are kind of rational debates about the way to get to mutually agreed upon outcomes right so like we all want the country to be more prosperous and free and people to be less oppressed or whatever and so we're going to argue about tax rates and i think higher tax gets gets us there i'm a keynesian and you disagree you're an austrian or whatever but the objective is the same. And so we write our papers and they write their papers and may the best papers win. I, I, I don't think that's what we're watching now at all. I don't think we're watching a debate over how to get to the best outcome. I think that's completely wrong. And I've come to this conclusion, not, and I should say at the outset I'm an Episcopalian, so don't take any theological advice from me because I don't have any. <laughs> I grew up in the shallowest faith tradition that's ever been invented. It's not even a Christian religion at this point. Um, I say with shame. But 
I'm just saying this as an observer of what's going on. There is no way to assess, say, the transgenderist movement with that mindset. Policy papers don't account for it at all. If you have people who are saying, I have an idea, let's castrate the next generation. Let's sexually mutilate children. I'm sorry, that's not a political debate. What? There's nothing to do with politics. What's the outcome we're desiring here? An androgynous population? Is that really what we are? We arguing for that? No, I don't think anyone could like, defend that as a positive outcome. But the weight of the government and uh, you know, a lot of corporate interests are behind that. Well, what is that? Well, it's irrational. If you say, well, you know, I think abortion is always bad. Well, I think sometimes it's necessary. That's a debate I'm familiar with. But if you're telling me that abortion is a positive good, what are you saying? Well, you're arguing for child sacrifice, obviously. It's not about like, oh, a teen, you know, a teen girl gets pregnant, and what do we do about that, and victims of rape. I, you know, I get it. I, of course I understand that, and I have compassion for everyone involved. But when the Treasury Secretary stands up and says, you know what you can do to help the economy get an abortion? Well, you're, that's like an Aztec principle, actually. <laughs> There's not a society in history that didn't practice human sacrifice. Not one. I checked. Even the Scandinavians, I'm ashamed to say. It wasn't just the Mesoamericans, it was everybody. So like, that's what that is. Well, what's the point of child sacrifice? Well, there's no policy goal entwined with that. No, that's a theological phenomenon. And that's kind of the point I'm making. None of this makes sense in conventional political terms. When people or crowds of people, or the largest crowd of people at all, which is the federal government, the largest human organization in human history, decide that the goal is to destroy things. Destruction for its own sake. Hey, let's tear it down. Yep. What you're watching is not a political movement. It's evil. Yep. So people are citing that, which, you know, I'll let the whole thing play. I know it's a little bit of a long clip, but, you know, it really sums up where we're at. And I think that's why people like myself who, Yes, I mean, I've always been political. I have political opinions and and stuff like that, but I've never really been like, man, I would really like to jump into that debate. I would really like to do something about it. That's what's driven um, myself to be like, no, I, I really need to get, you know, my voice out there somehow, some way, uh, because this is insane. This is not. You know, the, the old debates of, well, you know, we should, uh, you know, do this to help people, you know, rise up the ladder or no, let people work on their own and we can do it this way or that way. I mean, and that's what he's talking about is the old tired debates of um, right and left where everybody was like, yeah, we want everybody to basically we all, you know, agree on the Constitution. We all agree on all these things, but we think you should get there this way and I think you should get there this way. And we butt heads. And at the end of the day, we'll go, you know, have a beer and, and, you know, agree to disagree. And that's not where we've been for quite a while now. And, you know, it started quite, you know, it's been pretty crazy for a long time, but it has really been amplified probably in the last 10 years. I would say it's just gotten to a fever pitch to where we're not having those debates anymore. We're literally debating insanity and people who there is no other explanation except for evil. Now, where you fall on the theological scale of that, 
you know, is, I guess, to be determined. But uh, and there's people saying, well, you know, he's talking about good and evil and he's going to get into, uh, you know, because he does at the end of it say, well, you know, um, I want to, you know, say that even though I grew up, you know, Episcopalian, I guess. Um, even I know that we should pray for the country every day and people go, well, you know, Rupert Murdoch doesn't like that. It's too uh, gaudy. Um, but I will have to say, uh, I'm not sure that that's a thing because I've, uh, you know, tuned into Fox from time to time and, uh, saw that, you know, they do celebrate, uh, very, very openly, uh, religious holidays, uh, Ash Wednesday, uh, very many, uh, and there's like, if you go on Fox Nation, which I've now canceled my subscription to, there's no reason to have it. Um, I just did it because there were some really interesting interviews actually from Tucker on another show that he did, the Tucker Today or whatever, where he did very long form interviews with people you wouldn't expect him to sit down with. I mean, people like Roseanne Barr and, and Mike Tyson and just, you know, a plethora of interesting people. And, uh, but uh, they have shows on there that are just, solely based on the Bible and, and religious things. So uh, that may be pushing it. Um, the other part that they're talking about is uh, a lawsuit that uh, they're kind of uh, hinting at was from Ray Epps because of course, Tucker went after uh, the CIA you know, he was the one. There's not a lot of people on cable that are willing to go out and start talking about the the uh, evidence for uh, the CIA. Uh, basically, uh, it was you know announced earlier this year that in the um, papers and in the information that has been hidden from the you know U.S. public for uh, many many decades now that the CIA was directly involved with the assassination of jfk and you know he talked about that on his show and it's it's really amazing he was uh, at his position he was very unique there's always been you know big personalities on you know cable news shows big personalities people people that you know other people would talk about but it was really amazing he really commanded a, a spot there that just his monologues would make news and, and literally just his monologues would go and, and fuel a news cycle for 24 hours or longer and uh, loved by many and oh, desperately hated by quite a few. But then, you know, he really was into question. He did the January 6th footage. He got a hold of that and published it. And, uh, you know, some say that, you know, that's what it was. There were so many things involved in this, but, uh, Again, as I said before, if you're not paranoid, you're just not paying attention because in a lot of ways, he was their channel. He was what kept them uh, high in the ratings. He was what kept people watching. And I'm not talking about the diehard people that have been there for decades. I'm talking about new, fresh people that you know would tune in just to watch him uh, that kept Fox News on top. And unfortunately, uh, this was a terrible move. This is what uh, some are citing as well. And I'm just going through all these different things. And we're going to talk about the reaction to him getting fired, which is even more astounding because you realize how deep this rabbit hole goes. 
But uh, this one, um, this is from 60 Minutes. Now, this is amazing. This is some of the most amazing whitewashing I've ever seen. And for a, um, a show, because these are all shows, and we should always remember that, that these are all entertainment shows. I mean, even though they're like, well, this is real life. This is, uh, you know, investigative journalism. This is uh, in-depth look at. At the end of the day, it is all entertainment. It is all to grab eyeballs and get clicks and all that so uh, of course things are usually sensationalized or over the top but this goes to a whole new level and unfortunately 60 minutes uh, has always kind of stayed out of the political fray in a lot of ways i mean they've uh i mean of course a lot of their hosts and stuff had their you know left bent but they uh, have always been fairly good about uh you know kind of uh, interviewing people from both sides really kind of putting it out there for the most part i mean as much better than you know a lot of other things but uh this really broke it i don't think anyone will ever after watching this will ever look at 60 minutes the same way anymore because this is just unreal propaganda this is unbelievable so this they decided to do a uh interview and in-depth look at ray epps and this was a sticking point, especially for Tucker and for many people on the right. I mean, it's unreal. This story makes no sense um, whatsoever. And even the people on 60 Minutes, you know, what makes this so amazing is the fact that not only do they point out what we've all pointed out and said, wow, this really doesn't make sense. But then they don't follow up on it. They're like, oh, okay, we'll just take his explanation for it. Well, that seems normal. And it's really not. It's really bizarre. So we'll get into some of this. This is 60 Minutes with uh, whitewashing Ray Epps. I'm probably going to go to jail for again tomorrow. We need to go into the Capitol. Into the Capitol. What? what? Listen to them. They're like, what are you talking about, man? He's fooling. Fed. 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 Yeah. Fed. And a lot of them are saying the no. Epps seems so over the top, he must have been a government agent, a Fed sent to entrap them. <laughs> when you said, we have to go into the Capitol, we have to go into the Capitol, mm -hmm. what, what were you thinking? I said some stupid things. Oh, My thought process, That's we surround the Capitol, we get all the people there. You said into. I mean, I had, I had problems with the election. It was my duty as an American mm -hmm. to peacefully mm -hmm. protest mm -hmm. along with anybody else that wanted to. So here is my first sticking point. Now, he says, well, I said some stupid things. Okay. There are people sitting in jail that have still yet to get a trial. They didn't say those stupid things. They didn't egg people on. They were just there. They were just there. And this guy not only helped push people to become you know to do more and you know in some theories entrap people which i think is highly likely um but he's instigating it instigating it and he can walk away from it without ever being charged with anything without ever being arrested for anything and now he's on 60 minutes getting this whitewash job and just gets to say, well, I said some stupid things. Well, that's not good enough 
if you're locking people up for standing out on the lawn, if you're putting people in jail and they go, well, you know, I mean, they're not getting years in prison. They've already been in jail for some of them have been in jail for two years waiting for a trial, which is literally against the constitution. It should be people should be in the streets over this. And I don't mean rioting. They should be protesting. The D.C. jail should be surrounded and protested every day, all day long, until it's over, until Joe Biden and the DOJ stops uh, being authoritarian and holding political prisoners. But do you, people don't understand. This is a man who was identified January 6th and put on the FBI's most wanted list video of him egging the crowd on and instigating it. Nothing. And he gets a segment on 60 minutes. Now, can you imagine why anyone would think he's a fed really weird and 60 minutes is going along with it. They're going along with it. Here we got more. The next morning, January 6th, Epps was out by the Washington Monument, still focused on a single goal. We are going to the Capitol, where our problems are. It's that direction. The video is that there's a barrier there. The barrier gets knocked down, and a police officer, a female police officer, gets knocked down. And the mob, including you, walk over the barrier and march on toward the Capitol. Why didn't you stop to help this police officer who was who was knocked over? When she was knocked down and I started to go towards her, yeah. to help her up. Right. And sure you did. I saw a billy club over here oh, in the oh, corner of my oh, eye and okay. I thought, you know, right, a billy club. They're gonna think I'm part of this. Right. See. So I backed off. Huh. That's a weird statement. No one's talked about that statement, but that's a very weird statement, is it not? Now, you're out there chanting to go into the Capitol, into the Capitol. we got to go into the Capitol. You're at the barrier, the first barrier to get knocked down, by the way. You're talking to the guy right beside you before he knocks down the first barrier, whispering in his ear, and then all of a sudden he goes through the barrier, knocks down a police officer, apparently. Uh, you go and say you go over to help her up, and then you tell the truth. Because, see, this is the problem. When people are lying, it's really hard to keep it all going, right? That's the whole point. That's how people get caught in lies. And he goes, well, I didn't want them to think I was part of this. Really? Part of what? What were you part of? So you're saying you weren't a part of, but you just a few minutes ago, you said you were. You went there because you felt so passionate about the election that you wanted to be a part of it to protest. All of a sudden, well, I don't want them to think I'm a part of it. Well, why is that? That's weird. Huh. Slip of the tongue. Weird. Um, truth usually slips out, when, uh, especially when nerves are high. That's why they uh, you know, stress you before they give you a uh, polygraph. Anyway. We're part of it. I was there. You were, I wasn't a part of that, bull. knocking her down. And he wasn't part of the violence. There's a big difference there. There's a big difference. I like his wife answered. Hey, he wasn't part of the violence. Well, there were a lot of people that weren't a part of the violence, lady. 
They're sitting in jail. They weren't on the FBI's most wanted list. They're in jail. Old people, grandmothers, doors kicked in, SWAT teams to their house to drag them off to the D.C. jail for months, sometimes years. They didn't do any of this. So how's Ray Epps get to walk away? How's he get to walk away? It's very interesting, isn't it? Very interesting how that works. It's almost as if maybe he wasn't a part of you know, the protest crowd, which is obviously what most people believe. And of course, is what I believe. Obviously, this guy is not uh, on the up and up. Never seen committing an act of violence that day or entering the Capitol. Hmm. Epps told us when he saw the violence, his fervor to enter the building became a desire to play peacemaker. Oh, oh my God. They're not the enemy. Appreciate you guys. And police body cam video backs him up. I thought I could stop it. See. So I went back and forth. I talked people down and worked the line back and forth. Step down, step down. We're good here. That kind of thing. And I kept it that way for quite some time. Take a step back. We're holding ground. We're not trying to get people hurt. They don't want to get hurt. You don't want to get hurt. Back up. Epps says he left the Capitol grounds to help evacuate an injured man. The time, 2.54 p.m. Yeah. Guy's almost I looked back at the Capitol, <laughs> and there was people crawling up the Capitol walls. Oh, no. Yeah. And it looked like... Spider-Man. It looked terrible. I mean, I, I was kind of ashamed of what, sure what was going on at that you point. You told him to go in the Capitol, sure. though. So I, uh -huh. I started to walk out. He told us yeah. that's when he sent this text to his nephew. Okay. Conspiracists saw it as the true confession Cons of an agent provocateur. agent provocateur. Yes, conspiracists took this text... You got to love that framing, too. I mean, this is what makes it so despicable for 60 minutes. The guy suddenly becomes a saint because, oh, I was working the line. I was trying to stop the violence. Well, you're the one who instigated people to break down the barrier and go in. And then you walked in with them. And then suddenly you're up there and you're like, oh, no, no, no. I'm peaceful. I'm peaceful. I'm peaceful. Uh, yeah, I'm just trying to keep the peace out here. I'm trying to keep the peace which is really strange. And then he says he's leaving because he's so appalled. Okay. He's just so overcome with disgust because of what's going on. He's leaving. He's headed out. There's two problems with that. His text they're about to talk about, which they frame as well. Conspiracists take this text these texts, you know, your words that you're saying in the first person, not somebody else wrote words you said, literally your words from you, they took them to mean what you literally said, and that makes them conspiracy theorists. Honest to God, that's what they say. Here you go. I was in front with a few others. I also orchestrated it. Explain I orchestrated this to it. Me. I was boasting to my nephew. I was boasting to my nephew. The man sends a text saying I orchestrated it. And they say, well, that's conspiracy to think that uh, he would be involved in it in any way. Really? The man just said he was. He admitted he was. In his own words. It's not a quote from someone else quoting him. That is him. And he gets to whitewash it by saying, oh, I was just boasting. I just, you know, I thought I was a big guy. Whatever. Let's listen. Boasting to my I help get people there. Yeah. I, I yeah. was directing people to the Capitol that morning. You know how this sounds. 
I know exactly how it well, sounds. Well, what are you, a conspiracy theorist? What do you mean you know how it sounds? for using that word. God, I shouldn't have I used that word. I can't believe it. When you add up all of these things as... How many January 6th defendants who are, you know, rotting away in jail get to walk away from it by saying, I shouldn't have said that. Man, darn it. Shucks. Man, I really shouldn't have instigated that. Man. Boy, I just used the wrong words. That's all. I just used the wrong words. They impeached the president for saying fight like hell peacefully. <laughs> they impeached him. They've thrown people in jail for just being there. But this guy... This guy's amazing. He's almost a saint. He just said the wrong thing a couple times, you know. And then the video, the video that is so telling is the video they have of him when he's walking away from the front line. When he is right before he sends this text. Mm -hmm. Your critics have done. You've given them a lot of ammunition. Then why are you calling him conspiracy theorists? Instigator. There was an Unreal. effort. Unreal. To make me the scapegoat. Oh, 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 oh. There he is. This, the guy, I got to get out of here. This is, this is bad. We, yeah, so um, he basically said, well, there's a, there's a movement or there's a, basically he's being a conspiracy theorist in their words and saying, well, there's a, there's a, a you know, a group of people or, or there's an effort to make me the scapegoat. And he's talking about Tucker and he mentions Tucker. And so that's where the tie-in to Tucker is. It is really strange because, uh, yeah, in your own words, you instigated it. Uh, they have you on video instigating it. And uh, in the last video, they're showing him walking away right before he sends that text where he is just laughing his ass off and looking back and laughing and enjoying himself. And then he sends the text saying, man, I got him to get orchestrated it. And then they whitewash it and say, huh? Conspiracists think that you had something to do with this. Where would they get such a crazy idea? And the host goes, well, you've given him a lot of ammunition. You mean like him admitting it? It just blows the mind. So there again is another reason. They're like, well, Ray Epps is going to sue him. So Fox fired him. Um, I have a hard time believing that one. Unless you believe that maybe the, you know, DOJ and other insiders would be on on Ray Epps's side, which that would be really weird, wouldn't it? Because according to them, he's nobody to them, right? He's nobody. Nobody knows who he is. He's just some random guy who, you know, wrote texts and helped uh, orchestrate this horrible insurrection in their terms. But he's fine. He just said a few bad words. I mean, he chose his words wrong, right? I got to take a quick break. We'll continue in just a minute. All right. And we're back. So here is just a little while back. You know, you think, well, it's just Tucker. Well, uh, I guess uh, if Epps is going to sue somebody, uh, he would be after... Uh, Josh Hawley, uh, Ted Cruz. Here's Cruz questioning the FBI about uh, Epps himself. Who is Ray Epps? Epps. Come on, FBI. Tell us. I'm aware of the individual, sir. Uh, 
I don't have the specific background to him. Mm. Don't you? Well, there are a lot well, of people who are understandably very concerned, concerned about, about, Mr. Epps. about Mr. Epps. On the night of January 5th, 2021, Epps wandered around the crowd that had gathered. And there's video out there of him chanting, tomorrow, we need to get into the Capitol, into the Capitol. <laughs> this was strange behavior, so strange that mm -hmm. the crowd began chanting, fed, no. fed, 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 fed. Yeah. Ms. Sanborn, was Ray Epps Interesting. Was he a fed? Yes or no? Sir, I cannot answer that question. Whoa, what now? The next day. Oh, wow. The next day, on January 6th, Mr. Epps is seen whispering to a person, and five seconds later, five seconds after he's whispering to a person, that same person begins to forcibly tear down the barricades. Did Mr. Epps urge them to tear down the barricades? Hmm. Hello? Sir... Similar to the other answers, I cannot answer that. That is similar. Hmm. That Shortly is thereafter, similar the FBI put out a public post uh -huh. listing, seeking information on individuals connected with violent crimes on January 6th. Among those individuals in the bottom there is Mr. Epps. The FBI publicly asked for information, mm -hmm. identifying, offering cash rewards, oh, leading to information, leading to, for information leading to the arrest. This was posted, and then sometime later, what happened? Magically, Mr. Epps disappeared from the public posting. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, this stuff went on. A lot of people questioned it. So, you know, there were a lot of people out there. So, I mean, I guess it's not just Tucker. It's just Tucker had the biggest platform, I guess you could say, in the public sphere. Now, of course, Ted Cruz would have more influence in, in government and in that sort of thing and policy areas with uh, those kind of people. But when you're talking about getting the word out to the mass of people, um, you know, Tucker really was at the top of that. Now, not just his audience, but again, I said he drove the news. So him talking about it would really drive it further. And then you would have every other, you know, cable news outlet would then, you know, talk about it. Oh, Tucker's crazy or, you know, pick it up and say, well, this is really interesting. So there uh, were many, many things. And what's interesting is then the uh, backlash or backlash from the people was huge. I mean, Fox News uh, lost almost a billion dollars, not just the almost billion dollars they lost. They're going to have to pay Dominion, but they lost almost a billion dollars of stock value. Uh, their radiant, their ratings have now tanked, especially in his time slot. Nothing against whoever's filling in. I think it was Brian Kilmeade. I mean, nothing against him. He's not a Tucker and people watched Tucker. Uh, but a lot of other people chimed in to celebrate it. Here's the coven celebrating Tucker's demise come down that Fox News Media and Tucker Carlson have agreed to part ways. What a gross collection. Na 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 I mean this is pretty pretty disgusting stuff, that is for sure responsible for the degradation that we see somewhat of our democracy in this oh, country. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I just think as a faithful person, look at God. Look at God. You know, Russian propaganda hardest hit. I mean, he's been the biggest. Oh,
God, these people are terrible. That lady just said, told him to look to God. These are people that celebrate the death of children. The hell are you talking about? Look to God. I mean, I'm not a super religious person. I grew up very religious. I don't happen to be super religious now, but uh, I would never, ever take a position like that. Good God, these people are disgusting. And of course, AOC had to weigh, weigh in. Uh, she not only wants uh, Tucker fired, she wanted him arrested. Tucker Carlson is out at Fox News. Couldn't have happened to a better guy. Um, what I will say, though, is while I'm very glad that the person that was arguably responsible for the some of the largest driving some of the most uh, amounts of death threats and violent threats, not just to my office, but to plenty of people across the country. Um, I also kind of feel like I'm like waiting for the cutscene at the end of a Marvel movie. After like all the really? Credits have rolled. Like oh my god, really? See, like the villain's like hand. Like really? Oh my god. Out to grip, grip over like the end of a building or something, but deplatforming works and oh does important. it and um there you go yeah first amendment screw that right like screw that like whatever yeah these are the people who are supposed to be important and running our country i wouldn't let that lady run anything ever if i were doing job interviews which i have participated in if someone came in and was like, like, um, I'd really like this job because like I think it would be really good to like do stuff. I it's over. I I'm not doing that. I need an as a responsible adult to do something. And uh obviously that's not where we're at there. Uh not the only one. Uh, of course, uh good old Biden jumps in on it. You want to know how deep this goes. Uh here's uh, Biden at the um White House Correspondents Dinner last night. Uh, yeah, he's celebrating Tucker's ousting. It's really insane. The truth is, we really have a record to be proud of. Vaccinated the nation, transformed the economy, earned historic legislative victories and midterm results, but the job isn't finished. I mean... It is finished for Tucker Carlson. What do you moan about like that? Like, you think that's not reasonable? No. Give me a break. Just give me a break. Look, like I often say. Like you often say. He doesn't often say anything that is coherent or that uses words correctly. So God only knows. Um. You think it stops there? You think it really stops there? Oh, no. No, no, no. This rabbit hole goes even deeper. Even deeper. It is amazing. Here you go. Here's an article from Politico, which I had to say it that way because that's uh, Tucker's where he'd always go. In Politico, uh, former Fox hosts ridiculed top DOD le leaders over Biden-era policies. The headline is Good Riddance. Pentagon officials cheer Tucker Carlson's ouster. 
Really? I mean, and it goes on to talk about how many of the top brass at the Pentagon and in the DOD um, hated Tucker and are really happy that he's gone, that he, you know, knocks on the military and that he's some kind of secret Russian agent, which is just, just stupid as hell. Uh, I mean, Tucker wasn't a... Um, Obviously, he wasn't pro-Russia. He just was anti-bullshit and anti-war, not getting a World War a World War Three started. Uh, the guy that I had uh, issue with on Tucker was uh, Colonel McGregor that he had on all the time, who pretty sure is a pro-Russian plant. I'm pretty sure that guy's pretty pro-Russian. He uh, talked about the Russian military like they were like just a juggernaut of uh, power. And uh, obviously, that's not true. Uh, so that one kind of bothered me. But as in Tucker, no. Tucker was no fan of Putin or anything else. He just was not a fan of these woke idiots in the military. He wasn't a fan of the military going woke. And he wasn't a fan of starting a whole bunch of wars, especially nuclear war, which I think that's a pretty reasonable stance to take. Um, but he did come out and... Uh, Put a message out on Twitter, uh, which got, I think the last I saw was 45 million views, which is just unbelievable. But here it is. Good evening. It's Tucker Carlson. One of the first things you realize when you step outside the noise for a few days is how many genuinely nice people there are in this country. Kind and decent people, people who really care about what's true and a bunch of hilarious people. Also, a lot of those. It's got to be the majority of the population, even now. So that's heartening. The other thing you notice when you take a little time off is how unbelievably stupid most of the debates you see on television are. They're completely irrelevant. They mean nothing. In five years, we won't even remember that we had them. Trust me, as someone who's participated. And yet at the same time, and this is the amazing thing, the undeniably big topics, the ones that will define our future, get virtually no discussion at all. War, civil liberties, emerging science, demographic change, corporate power, natural resources. When was the last time you heard a legitimate debate about any of those issues? It's been a long time. Debates like that are not permitted in American media. Both political parties and their donors have reached consensus on what benefits them, and they actively collude to shut down any conversation about it. Suddenly, the United States looks very much like a one-party state. That's a depressing realization, but it's not permanent. Our current orthodoxies won't last. They're brain dead. Nobody actually believes them. Hardly anyone's life is improved by them. This moment is too inherently ridiculous to continue, and so it won't. The people in charge know this. That's why they're hysterical and aggressive. They're afraid. They've given up persuasion. They're resorting to force. But it won't work. When honest people say what's true, calmly and without embarrassment, they become powerful. At the same time, the liars who've been trying to silence them shrink, and they become weaker. That's the iron law of the universe. True things prevail. Where can you still find Americans saying true things? There aren't many places left, but there are some, and that's enough. As long as you can hear the words, there is hope. 
See you soon. All right. So that was his message, which, um, again, at the end, the sign off was see you soon, which I'm sure there's going to be an announcement very, very soon. I would imagine it's going to be um, tomorrow or at least this week of what Tucker's going to do. Maybe. uh, I mean, uh, there's so many people um, speculating. I have no idea what he'll do. Um, He already has the studio and everything else at his house. So, you know. I'm guessing that would be pretty easy. Um, I could foresee a Joe Rogan style long form podcast, long form interview kind of thing. Um, No matter what he does, it's going to be huge. And uh, he will have the restraints taken off that he had at Fox, because even though he pushed the boundaries and really really tried hard to go out there. Uh, he also, uh, of course had some restraint and he admitted it, uh, didn't grab the clip, but there's a couple different, uh, shows he was on other people's shows. Uh, even one, like, I think it was Dave Rubin. He was on, this is quite a few years ago where he goes on. He says, man, you know, you're basically saying, yeah, you're lucky because, uh, you know, you have freedom that I don't. And so, uh, very, very interesting um but we'll see what happens and whatever it is uh i'm sure it's going to be uh, really interesting and i'm sure i will be checking it out um man it's just uh, really bizarre i didn't think i would see it happen and uh and it did and especially when you consider people as as high up as the president of the united states uh congress people people in the defense department um you know that kind of influence billionaires i mean he pissed off a lot of people which is what journalists were supposed to do that used to be the allure was like yeah they're gonna you know push back against the powerful and the wealthy and you know stick up for you know truth and you know that all got lost that all got lost and and tucker was really trying i mean did he always get it right no but he was really trying to do what he felt was uh right and uh you know find truth and and say it as loudly and without embarrassment and so uh that's probably one of the most commendable things anybody could do and i'm sure he'll be back doing more of that and they'll hate him just as much uh, and probably to a bigger audience, for sure. Probably to a much bigger audience. Anyway, we missed it. I missed it. Uh, last week uh, was Earth Day. And I I missed it. It's so sad. And uh, just a couple things. Uh, some of this has popped up this week where uh, some of the climate stuff's really starting to get some pushback. And, of course, you still have the usual idiots uh, like, uh, oh, God. Like Kerry, John Kerry, good God, that guy, man, what a what a buffoon that guy is. But I wanted to run uh, run this by you. I found this tweet. Uh, <clears throat> it says uh, these were uh, apocalypses that were predicted on and around Earth Day, the first Earth Day, nineteen seventy. And um, I think I've went through and uh, played some of the clips of different people, and it was all on Earth Day in nineteen seventy when it started. And all the stuff that they uh, really kicked off, and it really kicked off a lot of the environmental craziness that we have now, the climate craziness, not the environmental craziness as much anymore, which is really strange. You don't hear about that anymore. You know, it used to be like, oh, man, look at these crazy people. They're chaining themselves to a tree to save a tree. Oh, look, these crazy people, they, you know, 
shutting down work on this big project to save a bird or something. You notice that doesn't happen anymore now. Have you noticed that? Nobody does that shit anymore. Nobody cares about the actual environment anymore. I don't know if anybody's noticed that, but I have. I've noticed that. You don't hear about uh, anything about save uh, this forest or save that species or you don't hear any of that anymore. Nobody does any of that. Isn't that weird? Because that would actually be at least legitimate. That would actually be a legitimate thing for, you know, at least to have a debate over if, you know, doing this certain thing would destroy this habitat or anything like that. Those are arguments I'm familiar with, but we've gone away from that to where now we just throw soup on paintings and yell about oil. And it's always about oppression and end capitalism. Well, what's that have to do with the environment? Nothing. Again, we're not having the same arguments anymore. But here is some of the craziness that started then. And what started then, you'll notice that this is where it really began to have nothing to do with actually saving the planet or saving a species or anything. This is all about catastrophism, apocalyptic talk, more of a theological kind of uh ideology not a uh environmental one uh number one was civilization will end in 15 to 30 years unless immediate action is taken against problems facing mankind that's uh, harvard biologist george wald well i guess you were a bit off because that would have made it 1985 uh, through the year 2000 somewhere in there the uh, civilization was going to end um you might have missed that one a little bit. Just, you know, just by a couple of years. You know, maybe not far. Not far off. We are in an environmental crisis which threatens the survival of this nation and of the world as a suitable planet for human habitation. Oh. Okay. Boy, this is a good one. Uh, this uh, man must stop pollution and conserve his resources merely to enhance existence, but to save the race from intolerant deterioration and possible extinction. We were supposed to already be extinct. Interesting. Uh, Paul Ehrlich was probably the worst one. And uh, he was so wrong and such an idiot. And I mean, he still is still is population will inevitably and completely outstrip whatever small increases in food supplies we make the death rate will increase until at least 100 to 200 million people a year will be starving to death within the next 10 years i was born 10 years later 100 to 200 million people weren't starving at least not because of you know lack of resources or pollution uh there were quite a few million people dying in uh china but um yeah that was because of ideology so hey you know uh most people who are going to die in the greatest cataclysm in history of man have already been born by 1975 some experts feel that food shortages will have escalated the present level of world hunger and starvation into famines of unbelievable proportions other experts, more optimistic, think the ultimate food population collision will not occur until the decade of the 1980s. Paul Ehrlich, of course. Um, it is already too late to avoid mass starvation. <laughs> I mean, this stuff is 
insane. It goes on and on. The nitrogen buildup will freeze the planet. Uh, by the year 2000, if present trends continue, we will be using up crude oil at such a rate there won't be any crude oil left. There's now more today available than there's ever been in history that we've known about. Um, and uh, what was really strange was uh, I was watching um, Bill Maher. Uh, interview Elon Musk and I like Elon Musk I think his ideas about free speech and everything else I really agree with him and I know there's always things I don't agree with him on uh, and one is that uh, electric cars are gonna with batteries are you know saving the planet because that is uh, patently false it is patently false and it takes more mining and more destruction of the planet to make batteries than it does to produce gasoline and this is known. It's not denied. They just say that, oh, well, over time, it'll all work out. And, you know, it is, it's a silly proposition. We're going to stop drilling for one resource so we can mine for five, ten others and destroy the planet more to make the planet greener. It's, it's really an insane proposition. So there, I disagree. But it was really funny. He was talking to uh, Bill Maher and Elon Musk uh, sit down. And they're talking about the woke mind virus, which, I, you know, I understand that. That is a, a huge problem. I'm glad they're addressing it. Yet it was really funny when uh, Bill Maher got pushed back and he goes, well, you know, we're, we're running out of uh, resources. And Elon Musk goes, no, 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 we're not. We have plenty of resources. That's not a problem. Um, should we move away and, and look to another thing for the future? Yes, but we have plenty of resources right now. And then Bill Maher goes, well, water, we're going to run out of water. And Elon Musk goes, well, 70% of the Earth's surface is water. We have more water than we know what to do with. And they're like, yeah, but that's salt water. And he goes, desalinization is cheap. It can be do done on a huge scale. It's not a problem. Water's not an issue. The planet's not going to run out of water. And so you start to hear those kind of things. And, you know, it starts to push back. And, you know, this is what you're used to. Let me give you this uh, uh, from, of course, John, John Kerry. We'll give you a great message about CO2. I think that we are on the right track as long as the emissions begin to be abated. They begin to be captured. And that is the key for the oil and gas industry. There's no free pass here. It is imperative that we meet our goals, and that will require capturing emissions, which are the real uh, problem, the real enemy. Oh, yes, John Kerry must capture the carbon and bring it back to Earth. Um, so, yeah, what they're doing, and you're going to love this, they are the plan is to capture the CO2 and then inject it back into the Earth. Um, some would say that's um, redundant because we'll see it goes in the atmosphere and then it goes into plants and animals and it's a whole thing into the ocean it gets circled around it's a whole cyclical thing that uh the planet uh kind of worked out long before john Kerry. but john Kerry needs to work it out for him you know you know how it is you know when you're that elitist you know the planet's not even mother nature's not even smart enough to keep up with you so you know when you're that that level you know when you know you're such an authority that you have multiple private private jets and yachts and you spew more carbon emissions than half the people on the planet just by yourself. And you go around telling everybody they should try to drink their soda through a paper straw and uh, eat bugs so they don't pollute the planet. You really know that you're on top of it, right? You really know that you are the, the voice, the authority that people should listen to. 
Uh, but the, some people uh, found these. I found some clips where, you know, I don't think they were ready for this. I don't think they were ready for this at all. Here's a really interesting one where the host of this, uh, this is a weather show. I want to say it's in the UK, uh, is actually, I think, doesn't know how to take this, uh, just isn't ready for it at all. Here you go. RT world. So we see climate models suggesting a possible return around the world to El Nino weather conditions. What exactly does that mean? What will that look like? Well, there's a very good chance that uh, global temperatures will increase somewhat this year because of El Nino. Uh, recent warming since the 1980s has been driven by El Ninos. I don't think emissions play any role at all. Over the last eight years, we've emitted 500 billion tons of emissions worth 14% of man-made CO2, and there's been no warming. Uh, what causes the warming is the El Nino. As far as we can tell, there's nothing we can do about that. El Nino is a natural phenomenon uh, caused either by uh, volcanic activity under the Pacific Ocean, possibly with some solar uh, contribution, but it's got nothing to do with emissions. So, can I just uh, stop, stop yeah. you there? Because that sounds so interesting that uh, you don't think what exactly has nothing to do with emissions, global warming or, or what exactly? So you can see, I mean, that's what's funny. As you can tell, she has no idea what to say. She's like, what, what, what do you mean? It was like somebody just hit her in the face and she has no idea. It's like somebody's showing up at like some kind of um, like extremist rally or something. They had no idea they were going. And all of a sudden they hear it and they're like, what? what? Did did you just say that? I mean, it's so great because she is stammering for words. I mean, you could hear in the intro, that's not a, her normal speech pattern. She's obviously uh, fairly well-spoken there. And then all of a sudden she's like, I, what, 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 what do you mean? It's almost like a fear. Like, what do you mean? It doesn't, but, but it has to, like, that's, that's the, you're not going along with the narrative. And he's saying, listen, the missions are nothing. And it's true. Uh, CO2 is uh, one, what is it, four one hundredths of a percent? 0 0.04. Four one hundredths of one percent of Earth's atmosphere. And they're saying that that is, you know, what's going to drive all this. And they would do that because they make a lot of money off all the crap they want to sell you. But anyway, we're going to go on to him talking about El Nino, La Nina. Uh, these two huge, you know, warming and cooling trends that are basically uh, all controlled from the Pacific Ocean, uh, primarily the South Pacific, um, the water warming from, you know, volcanic activity and the sun versus, you know, uh, a year of a lot less of that kind of activity, which allows it to cool. Uh, he goes through it here. Yeah, warming. The, the emissions are not warming the planet. We've had nine years, or eight years, I'm sorry, of um, 500 billion tons of emissions with no warming. That's per, you know, U.S. government data. Uh, so obviously, you know, we are told that every emission warms the planet. That is clearly not the case. What we do know warms the planet are these El Ninos, and we've had a series of them since the 1980s. The most recent one was in, tw in 2015, which is the last time we saw warming. Now, the next time we see warming could be this year, and it's going to be caused by an El Nino. It's got nothing to do with emissions. Okay, so tell us, um, 
If we do see El Nino make a return this year, which will be the hardest hit areas? What will that mean for humans and animals? Well, it, it, it's hard to tell. I mean, we don't really, you know, it could be a major El Nino, which temperatures would go up a little bit. It's, it's really hard to predict. You know, uh, keep in mind last year, people were, you know, predicting this 1200 year drought in California. Uh, they completely, you know, California and the Western United States is totally out of drought uh, this year. No one predicted that. These things are hard to predict. I don't have a crystal ball. I don't predict the future. But what I can do is look in the past and see that emissions have not affected global temperature uh, for most of the last 10 years. Right. And so that's that's another thing. Um, the last 10 years, we've put more emissions than ever before in human history. And the weather has generally stayed the same. Some years are warmer. Some years are cooler. Some years are drier. Some years are wetter. It's uh, just cyclical systems. And he's just saying, listen, these weather patterns are what drives all this. Um, what you're talking about is incremental change that will work over millions and millions of years that has happened in cycles on this planet since the planet was, you know, birthed. So, you know, um, maybe, and I think maybe the best way to do it is, well, you know, we're human. So we have big brains and we can learn how to adapt to anything and right now we don't have to worry about adapting to much of anything. Now, if you want to talk about, you know, actual pollution or something like that, I'm sure this guy would be right on board with you. Yeah. Hey, let's not pollute things. Maybe we should go talk to, uh, you know, Asia as a whole. Maybe we should go talk to China, India, Korea, uh, Malaysia, Indonesia, all these places. Maybe we need to go, you know, knock on some doors and say, hey, guys, can you stop like polluting everything? And China, can you stop being the world's largest polluter of all time? And could you possibly stop, you know, like raping the sea of every fish you can find in other people's waters? Could you do that? Maybe we could work on that part. But as in warming the planet with some with emissions is, is bullshit. And that's what he's saying. I don't have data on me right now, but surely there are lots of people that would uh, disagree with that, that emissions don't uh, uh, impact uh, global warming. Uh, of course, because there's a whole movement that has been dedicated to spreading this myth uh, since the uh, early 1990s. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of inconvenient truth out there. You know, we, in your teaser to this, we saw about people complaining about, um, you know, ice in the Alps. Uh, 6,000 years ago, the Alps were ice, the Alps were ice free. You know, there are natural changes that go on, uh, have gone out throughout the Earth's history, through the history of mankind, and we're pretending that everything that is happening now is new. In fact, it's not new. The Earth has been as warm, if not warmer, before. Uh, we have these natural events. The, the weather is controlled by Mother Nature, not by emissions. Emissions are a very small part of the atmosphere. Carbon dioxide concentration in the atmosphere is four hundredths of a percent. The notion that that drives weather it's just without a basis in science. All right. Steve, we'll leave it there. Thank you very much indeed uh, for coming on. Steve Milloy, who is uh, from the uh, uh, Energy and Environment Legal Institute. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, uh, I don't think she knew what to do with that. And that's something, I mean, these are the kind of things that I bring out because we need to be armed with them. And we need to be calm about it and rational about it and not yell and scream and, and be idiots and act like, you know, essentially act like the left does. That's not who we need to be. And we don't need to be like these idiots, like 
carry and and gore and and the millions and all the all the crazies in in hollywood and everything else and you know and they've brainwashed everybody you know bill maher claims to be a very you know well-read well you know uh intelligent person and i'm not saying he's not intelligent but obviously he stayed in that bubble too long because i mean even elon who again i don't agree with him on the battery thing at all uh and maybe uh you know the escape to mars is maybe a little much uh, and i don't really know that that is his plan now to escape to mars i think he's thinking civilization that uh, the human civilization should spread out into other planets and try to you know see how far we can go which is you know interesting uh at least it's you know interesting to me i find it very interesting and maybe we'll find other life somewhere you know once we get out a little further but uh these are all very interesting things the last one i'm going to play is um the founder of greenpeace one of the founders uh patrick moore uh he's going to give a little interview here about co2 is to turn on its head the idea that carbon dioxide is a pollutant and somehow dangerous when in fact it is the most important nutrient for all life on earth and without it this would be a dead planet so i say not only is carbon dioxide good it is essential and it's a good thing that we are putting some more carbon dioxide in the atmosphere because it was running low before we came along CO2, Jeez. we know its benefits for plants, but it is a, a known greenhouse gas, and we're pumping too much of it in, leading to global warming. Well, actually, it may be a known greenhouse gas, but it's not known how strong it is in terms of changing the Earth's temperature. Mm -hmm. And so far in this century, there has been zero warming from a statistically significant basis, and the UK Met Office says so, yet one-third of all human CO2 emissions have been put into the atmosphere in the last 18 years. So it doesn't look like a lockstep causal relationship between increasing CO2 and warming of the earth. Right. Are you seriously suggesting we should be pumping more stuff in, polluting the earth more, building more coal-fired power stations just so we can make sure that the CO2 levels are good? No, I'm not, because we're putting plenty of CO2 into the atmosphere. We don't need to do it this quickly, but if we bring it up to a higher level than it is today, we will get immediately an increase in the growth of crops and trees, which is not a bad thing. In the long run, though, it doesn't matter if we bring it down quite a bit. And so that's why I'm supportive of nuclear energy and of natural gas. This tendency to go in the rich countries to wind and solar is a giant Again. waste of money. Mm -hmm. Those wind farms will rust in place and there is no fun to decommission them when they either wear out or we decide how ridiculous it is to spend so much money for so little electricity that isn't even reliable. What are you saying about energy policy now to the ideas of decarbonization? To car is everyone wrong? Yes, they're wrong if they are actually basing their energy policy on decarbonization. They're not wrong to base their energy policy on cost effectiveness, on pollution control, which is why moving from coal to gas makes sense if you have it. But India has coal, and India has 300 million people with no electricity. What do we expect them to do? Of course they're going to build coal plants, but India is also building a lot more nuclear plants than the UK is right now, and it doesn't have the emissions of a coal plant. And China is building huge hydroelectric dams, which don't have the emissions of coal plants. So many of these countries are doing their bit without wasting all this money on wind no, I disagree and with energy, him there. which is unreliable and prohibitively expensive in the long run. So I disagree with him about China. I know China is building more coal plants than... Uh, 
anyone ever in history of mankind. Uh, and un, unlike the coal-fired plants in the U.S., where we use scrubbers to keep the uh, pollution as much as possible out of the air, I'm not saying they're perfectly, you know, beautiful for uh, the air. I, I don't know how far they go, but I do know the scrubbers keep the the soot and a lot of the um, a lot of the really nasty stuff that comes from burning coal. It keeps it out of the breathing air, and uh, that's what we have done here. So it, they cl- burn very very clean compared to you know say China where you know they they would burn tires if they needed to, uh, which is bad by the way. I don't agree with burning tires. It smells really bad. <laughs> anyway, that's going to do it for me today. I'm running out of time. Uh, I will be back next week. Uh, do want to remind everybody, if you want to send a message, uh, a question, comment, anything like that, several ways you can do it. Um, the website, erics-america.com. Uh, also, at Eric's America Pod. That's on Facebook. Eric underscore podcast is on the Twitters. And last but not least, an old-fashioned email, ericsamericapod at gmail.com. All those will come directly to me. I will be back next week with much, much more. And until then, just remember, it's no agenda, just America.